Welcome, precious one. The message you are about to listen to will bless and enlighten you, and we're delighted about this. Ministering is Reverend Elijah, pastor of Christ Glory Ministries. Stay tuned, and God bless you. We're going to look at the integrity of God. Hallelujah. The integrity of God and the principle behind unflinching faith. Amen. We said that the integrity of God, and if you like, if you're writing it a colon, then you write the principle behind unflinching faith. Because that is really the principle behind unflinching faith. And we're going to begin it today. Hallelujah. And I said that when you study the Bible carefully, it looked as if that some people had more faith than others. Some had greater demonstrations of faith than others. For some people, it looked like they were more favored or approved before God than others. Why are all these things so? For some, it looked like they had certain, you know, unusual demonstrations of God's power. Meanwhile, they were all God's people. What made for the differences? Amen. Is God's word trustworthy? Why can we trust God's word? All of these questions and more, we're going to look at them in this series. Amen. And I want you to be very, very attentive spiritually to grasp, grasp what is going to come forth from this series because it will change your faith life. Praise God. It will change your perspective, your walk. Hallelujah. And let's first of all begin by looking at some of the characters of God. Because it's important that you know God's character. It is part of knowing God. Hallelujah. When you want to know somebody, you need to also know their character. You need to also know their personality. Hallelujah. And let's start by looking at some of the characters of God through his dealings with certain people in the Bible. Amen. When you want to know God, one of the ways you know you get to know Him through the Word is by watching how He dealt with men. You see, how He related with men, how He dealt with them. And it's in different forms. God is unchanging, but the men He dealt with were all different. So when you want to know God, you look at the different men He related with and how He was unchanging, so it pulls out the character of God. I get what I'm saying. You're able to see what He is like. Though the men were all different, He was unchanging. So you want to know some of the characters of God, how he thinks, how he operates. You watch his dealings with men. Hallelujah. And that is one of the reasons why God has given us in the Bible stories and the lives of men. Yet it is intended to teach us about God. Do you catch it now? Though it is to reveal God to us, yet it is full of stories of men who God dealt with. Why? So that by knowing how God dealt with the men, we are able to know God. Do you understand? So it's not just about him trying to project men. It is also about him trying to reveal himself to us. Hallelujah. So the first person I want us to look at is Noah. Noah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah, some of you, Noah is quite unpopular in your books. The only thing you know about Noah is that he built an ark. Genesis chapter 6 from verse 1 Bible says and it came to pass when men began to multiply upon the face of the earth 
and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, so it says the sons of God, the sons of God here is referring to angels, praise God, and spirit beings that were from above. They, they use the word sons of God because it's, it's in, it, it refers to the similitude or the likeness. They were in the likeness of God. When they appeared, they were looking like God in terms of glory and, you know, ex expression. So verse 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Hallelujah. Now this is the portion of scripture where some have misinterpreted to say that man's lifespan has been made by God to be 120 years. But it's not so. Hallelujah. So there are many who open up this scripture and they say that God himself said that man's life will be 120 years. No. Study deeper. What he was saying was not that man's life will be 120 years. What he was saying was that the period of time I'm going to give them before I destroy the world is 120 years. Can I prove it to you? Because if God said that it's 120 years, then no man should live beyond that after that period. But it wasn't so. Let's go into Genesis chapter 9, right after the flood. Genesis chapter 9, come to verse 28. Are you there? It says, And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. How many years? 350 years. Now look at 29. And all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. Somebody will say, oh, maybe it was only Noah because it was an exception. <laughs> Let's go further. Genesis chapter 11. <laughs> Verse 11. Praise God. Bible says, And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years and begat sons and daughters. This after he even gave birth to his children. He gave birth to Arphaxad. He lived 500 years and begat sons and daughters. And Arphaxad lived 5 and 30 years and begat Salah. And Arphaxad lived after he begat Salah, Salah 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And then Salah lived 30 years and begat Eber. And Eber, and Salah lived after he begat Eber 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And he keeps on going and going and going. Praise the Lord. And they were not living 120 years. They were living beyond that. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the 120 years was the long suffering of God. Was the patience period of God. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Somebody says, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to give you time. And he gives you 120 years. That's his patience. <laughs> My goodness. Hallelujah. Go to Genesis 25. Let's say, somebody says, oh, these ones, they were too close to the flood. Let's go to Abraham. Genesis 25. Hallelujah. Verse 1. It says, then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. This is after Sarah died. This man had been so miraculously energized that even after Sarah died, he was not, <laughs> he was not content to be a widower. Engines were still working. So <laughs> he married again. Every organ. <laughs> and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran, Joksha, and so on and so forth. Verse 3, and Joksha begat Sheba, Dedan, so on and so forth. Then you come to verse 5. It says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, 
Verse 6. But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived, eastward unto the east country. Verse 7. And these are the days of years, the years of Abraham's life which he lived, and hundred three score and fifteen years. A score is twenty or twenty years. Amen. So when he says three score, that is how many years? Sixty. And then he said fifteen, and then a hundred. So in total, how many years? Hundred and seventy-five years. Are you seeing this? And this is several generations after Noah. So what God said in Genesis six verse four that the days of man will be 120 years was not man's lifespan. It was the duration of the time between which they had before he destroyed the world. If there had been probably some kind of repentance within the 120 years, he could have probably changed his mind. But God always has a cap. That is why when he, before he came to destroy Sodom, he said that the Christ, their iniquity has risen up and I'm come to see for myself if it is so. Why? Because God is reluctant to destroy or reluctant to release judgment. But when all else fails and judgment is released, there is no escaping it. That is why the world and all that is going on and we preaching and talking about the return of Christ and so on and so forth, we look like fools, not because we are fools, neither is it because God is you know, joking, but because he is reluctant, because the day it comes, there will be no cup for mercy. There will be no cup for grace. It will be over. And the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the return of the Son of Man. And this world will be in for some terrible stuff. Some crazy, crazy stuff. Another version will make it a bit simpler for your comprehension. So let me read from some other version so that it breaks it down. The NET version. It says, So the Lord said, My spirit will not remain in humankind indefinitely. Since they are mortal, they will remain for 120 more years. Do you get what I'm saying here? It says they will remain for what? 120 more years. And this was the allotted time given to those who were on that earth at that time. Hallelujah. So God was not restricting man's life to 120 years. Maybe you've heard it preached several times. That is not the right interpretation. And then some also go to Psalms and then they say that your days on earth are 70 and 80. That's not... That's not God's agenda for you. What was said there was a lamentation by the prophet. That we knew people used to live older and all, but if I, of late, when we realize 70 and they are dying, some may go to 80. It was a lamentation. It was not a prophecy or a verbatim agreement. The abundance of sin kept shortening man's life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, Genesis 5 now, verse 4 now. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Now, this was a very serious thing that occurred and one day we need to go into it and study it. 
because a lot of things happened. And in the last days, some of the things that concern the Antichrist and uh, um, the false prophet will revolve around some of these things. Because Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end. So in the end, some of these things will be going on. Where people are um, cohabiting and having dealings with fallen angels. And there will be people walking amongst us who are not human beings. Somebody says, how is that possible? This is it. You need to understand the spiritual dynamics of how a human being or how a body comes into the earth. Because God used that mechanism. God is not a human being. But when he had to come among men, he came through the womb of a woman. So, the body was formed by the mechanism God has put inside a woman. I following this to be the gateway into existence on earth. So, how is it that these spirits cohabited with women and brought forth? When they took on human bodies, uh, an angel of a higher rank or a spirit of a higher rank can temporarily take on human flesh or human body, but it's not for long. That is why in the book of Genesis, chapter 19, Bible says that angels. Three men were coming and Noah discerned that no, there is something about this man is not regular. And Bible says that God was within them. I following. And they were actually angels, but they appeared as men. And they came to Abraham and they sat and ate with Abraham. Again, in the book of Judges, you find out that an angel appeared like a human to Gideon. He didn't appear in his spiritual glory, otherwise Gideon would have run away. Because Gideon already he was frustrated. I tell you, the man was frustrated with life. Because they got to a point where they were not, he wasn't seeing these things in his life. He said, God can do this, God can do that, God did this for you. Look at my life. But we are all Israelites. Yeah. Sometimes people get frustrated like that. <laughs> so the angel said, Thou mighty man of valor. But the angel appeared like a man. Again, let's go further in the book of Judges. You realize that an angel appeared to Manoah and Samson's mother and Samson's mother said a man of God came and said so and so and the husband said ah pray that he will appear again you see so they took on human appearance but for a limited time now is it only angels from above that can do this there are fallen angels that can also do this because when the angels fell, the power that they had was not taken from them, but it got corrupted. That is why when people tell you that, oh, obi fripoase abba, don't be quick to disbelieve and to think it does, it's not true or it doesn't exist. They just can't stay here for long. Praise God. So, these angels took on human bodies for a period and they cohabited with men now the result was that the souls that came in were not from god because only god gives human souls or human spirits are you following this so the spirits that came because when the organic or biological reaction is initiated in a woman the body must begin to form but where is the spirit or the soul that will inhabit 
the body being prepared? That's the question. So, in their case, God didn't approve of it. So, God did not release any soul or any spirit from him into those bodies. Now, a body is like a vessel. It's like a bottle that you pour water into. I hear what I'm saying. As these bodies were being formed in the people, guess who came to inhabit them? Spirits from the underworld. So they have been born into humanity, but they are not humans. This is how come God could come into our midst, yet he was not originally, regularly, normal man. He was both God and man. I follow what I'm saying. Do you understand this? I hope it's not too high for you. I've broken it down enough for you. So, what they produced, that is why how come there were giants? Because, ah, how come you are a woman, this is your height, but the child you gave birth to is taller than skyscrapers? Because it wasn't regular, it wasn't normal, it wasn't God's design. Something else was in there, and that is where Cyclops and some of these mythological things you know, came into existence. So you see, they gave birth to some point, and then some people just have one eye, one big eye here like this. Because it's all kinds of caricatures. They were giants. An abnormal processing of the human gene. Because something was influencing it. And what was happening was that they were corrupting the human race. Because now, after they are born, the men and the women in those days, they got to a point it was so bad. The destruction and the wickedness was so bad. They were also now cohabiting with other ladies. Bible says in verse 4, there were giants in the earth. When we teach on the origin of demons, right, we will come and look at some of these things. Praise the Lord. And then you understand some of the dynamics of all this. Hallelujah. So it says that, and also in, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. Do you see it now? They did what? They brought forth children. But ask, the question is, who is the one who gave their life to those children? It wasn't God. Because God never designed that angels should procreate with humans. It wasn't designed. Do you know that there are, there are some spirit beings and demons that they can tell you, oh, they are 6,000 years old. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, this was the breed. It shows you the kind of people that were now on the earth. Not God's people, not God's original source. They were coming from Satan. So they only imagine evil. They only desire evil. Bible says that every thought of the imagination of their heart was evil continually. Not sometimes, oh, some bad will come. Oh, sometimes it's going to do this. It was continually. That's the satanic seed. So a time is coming in the earth where though humans are here, not everybody among us will be human. Originally human. Because it's happening. And many, many of some of the people that we, we, you know, some people like them out there, you know, uh, um, 
they have money and other stuff. Some of them belong to certain groups, certain secret groups, societies, which push an agenda for a one world order and so on and so forth. Hallelujah. But the Lord has already warned us. Praise God. Amen. So we said that the, 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 the Lord saw that the weakness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Verse 6. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved him at his heart. You have to watch this. He says that he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, not that he had made man. Get the difference. He says he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. We are on earth because God chose earth. We could have been on a different planet. And that would have been where God brought man. But he says the earth. Let's not digress too much. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah. A very perverse generation, yet Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it's interesting that Bible didn't say, but Noah found mercy. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Mercy is for the guilty. Grace is for the undeserving. Hallelujah. So, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Mercy is for the guilty. Grace is for the undeserving. In simple terms. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, we observe that as we study further, God brought his word to pass. But before that, Noah was the man who was able to be steadfast. The question is, what made a man stay steadfast and faithful for 120 years? That's the question. What is it? Because 120 years, he was just waiting. That is somebody's whole life. Maybe you haven't thought about it. <laughs> because some people don't even get to 120, 70 and they are gone. 80. What made a man stay steadfast? Does, didn't flinch in faith. Didn't lose faith. Had strong faith for 120 years. That's what we are trying to uncover. Because there is a secret to unflinching faith. There is a secret to it that makes it possible for God to bring his word to pass in your life. That every prophetic word you've received, every dream you've had now comes into manifestation. But there is something that makes that happen. It's called unflinching faith. But it is connected to something which we are now studying. Hallelujah. Because 120 years is not a, it's not a short time. It is a long time. So long that it was possible that at a point they were even mocking him. Hebrews 11. Say thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Please who? God. It says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Always, that's how God operates. 
God will always tell you of things you have not yet seen. When God calls you into ministry or God gives you a word about your life and future, he will speak to you about things you have not yet seen. And when we say seen, we're talking about yet manifested. That's how God is. Bible says that by faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Noah moved with fear. We'll come to that in a bit. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah moved with fear. Hallelujah. Now you see, the fear of God is among other things, it includes honor for God, reverence for God. It is not just terror. It is honor. It is reverence. It is a holy honor and a holy awe and reverence for God. And a lot of times, the fear of God is a result of genuine relationship with God. Anyone that has a genuine living relationship with God, they have the fear of God. There's an honor for God. There's a value for God. Hallelujah. The reason for irreverence, the reason for irreverence among certain people is the lack of the fear of God. The fear of God is a result of genuine relationship with God. The fear of God is honor for God and his things, his ways. The fear of God is holy reverence, holy awe for God and his word, his ways. Glory to Jesus. The lack of intensity in the service of God is the absence of the result of the absence of the fear of God. A lifestyle of sins without any remorse is a result of the absence of the fear of God. Hallelujah. A living relationship with the Lord produces it naturally. You see? Naturally. Does it mean that people that fear the Lord they never commit any error? No. Let me show you something first before I show you this one. Psalm 25. What I want you to understand is that when you see the Bible declares people that they fear the Lord or did I fear him, he's talking about a relationship, their relationship with God. Are you seeing this? They have a living relationship with God. They honor God. They revere God. That's one of the major definitions of the fear of God. It is a person that has a fear of God that will do what God says they should do. That obeys. When you find people that are quick to insult, not even men of God, other people, there is an absence of the fear of God. They are quick to demean others. There is an absence of the fear of God. When you know God, you fear Him. You honor him. You revere him. And another important thing that will come into your heart when you encounter God. If you encounter Jesus, if you encounter the Holy Spirit, 
the right way not out of warning but out of relationship there will be a love that comes into your heart that will sometimes make you look like a fool but it's because something from him has entered you Psalm 25 let me show you something I want you to see what the fear of God means and how the scriptures define it. It communicates a man that has relationship with God. So many times in the Old Testament you find that and he feared the Lord and he feared the Lord. What are they saying? He had a relationship with God. He walked with God. Psalm 25 verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? He says, him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So God teaches them that fear him. Verse 14, look at it. It says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Do you see this now? It says what? The secrets of the Lord. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the revealed things belong unto us and our children, but the secret things belong to God. Now the Bible says that those secret things that belong to God, he reveals it to those who fear him. Those that have an intimacy with him. Those that have a relationship with him. He says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Psalm 115. Psalm 111 verse 5. Oh, karatele kashanda. Are you there? Psalm 111 verse 5. Let's start from verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endured forever. He had made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He had given meat unto them that fear him. He had given what? Meats unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. So when he mentions them that fear him, it's like people that have a relationship with him, covenant with him. As it will be put in the Old Testament. Are you following this? Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 62. Are you there? Verse 62. He says, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Do you see it again here? I'm a companion of all them that do what? That fear thee and that do what? Keep thy precepts. If it were today, we would say Christians. Do you follow this? So the fear of God always communicates people that have a relationship with God. A living relationship with God. And those that fear God, they might make an error. But watch what the Bible says. Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Are you there? Verse 1. Psalm 130, verse 1. It says, A song of degrees. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Verse 3. He says, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? (laughs) 
Oh, I love this. You have to know how to talk to God. There's a way to talk to God. Always put his greatness before him. I know how to talk to God. There's a way to talk to God. That is how men like Moses spoke to God. That's how men like David spoke to God. They reminded God of who he was and why it's unnecessary for him to do some things. Look at verse 3 again. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But look at verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou may be feared. Do you see it? There is what? There is what? There is forgiveness with thee that thou may be feared. There is forgiveness with thee that thou may be feared. That is why when you are working with somebody or you are married to a wife or you have a, a girlfriend or a, a, a guy or whatever and you keep doing things and keep forgiving you, that's not the kind of person you take for granted. That's the kind of person you honor and respect them all. But our generation doesn't know it. We think those who forgive when we make mistakes, they are the weak ones. You don't understand life. The Bible says in verse 4, that, oh God, there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You find a man who has married a woman and he is cheating left, right, center. 24-7. And the wife knows and forgives him and so he begins to think the wife is a fool. He doesn't understand certain things. Or a lady who keeps misbehaving and the husband, the, the boyfriend or the, the guy keeps forgiving him just because he loves her. And she doesn't, she doesn't get to feel like he's a weak guy. <laughs> no. You don't understand. You don't know. Praise the Lord. And you see, if you want to be a husband that does not cheat, start by being a boyfriend who doesn't cheat. I'm telling you. You have to start training yourself on that level. Don't think it comes suddenly. Because if you don't learn how to be a person of integrity and faithful whilst you are just in a relationship that doesn't have the strength of commitment like marriage, when you get married, you will still do it. Because at that time, your excuse will not be, after all, I'm inside, I'm not going out, so let me just pass on one place, I'll come back. So when you want to be someone who doesn't cheat, start from when you are single. Start from when you are in a regular relationship. Don't cheat. Make it a principle. Use your words to mold your character. You see, I used to speak to myself. I keep telling myself, the lady I get with, or the lady I be with, she is the most beautiful to me. I don't see the beauty of any other lady again. I used to tell myself over and over and over and over. So, you have to start training yourself. You won't just jump in a relationship once and then suddenly, surprise, I'm not a cheater again. No. <laughs> Praise God. Otherwise, you end up having secrets in your cupboard that is between only you and either your best friend or you and God. Amen. Those that they are always so focused on the accessories that a woman comes with. A woman is more than her body. You must understand that. It's very important. A woman is more than her body. There's a soul. There's a spirit. There's a personality. No matter how big the bottles is. 
no matter how soft the breasts are. <laughs> no matter how nice the face is, if the personality is ugly, you'll be frustrated. You'll be young and so you have gray hair. <laughs> and it's the same. It's the same that when you meet a guy, he's handsome, he's tall, has some good money or whatever, maybe you just like him, or he's a he's appearance and so on and so forth but the personality is dangerous it will affect your life people are more than what we see on the outside you see we if you want to get to know somebody get to know their personality you see then you know if you can live with them or not everybody can live with a pretty face but everybody can live with an ugly character or an ugly personality. It will be hell. So many are rushing, Lord, I want to get married. They are so the gate of marriage is like this. You have thousands here. What you don't know is that there are also thousands here. Some are rushing to enter, some are in, they are rushing to come out. <laughs> in their mind, how did I marry this guy? You did it for only six months, some nine months. It's not a guarantee that the longer you date, the better your marriage will be. What we are saying is know the person. And when you get married, married has what to come with. The first five years, you have your ups and downs. You must withstand that first five years and move out. What people, a lot of people have come to feel like is that they, they treat divorce lightly. Smart, you know, we will divorce. No, it doesn't work. That's not the solution. Have you heard what I'm saying? That's not the solution. Stay in there. Cross your first five years. Statistically, it is proven that many marriages collapse after the about fifty percent collapse in the within the first five years. Guess what? It's not only marriages; it's businesses as well. Many businesses. About 50% or more, they collapse within the first five years. Why? Because the first five years are those periods that so much will come at you. If you're able to weather it and cross, you'll be on a safe journey. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And that's why we have some people who have dated for 10 years now. Hey! In our, in this church. They have, they have stayed together for longer than some people's marriages. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you here, somebody? Yes, <laughs> very important. Very, very important. There are so many things you, you need to know. Hallelujah. And there are things that people don't check. And then they end up taking into marriage. For example, it's very difficult for you to take instruction. And you're a lady. There are pretty, pretty things that you check about you. Hallelujah. It's not a single seminar. Let's come back to the word. Praise God. Our time is even up. We have to close. But let me read verse 3 and verse 4 again. Psalm 130. It says that if thou Lord shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Who shall stand? Verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Hallelujah. Praise God. So like I told you, 
when people forgive you, it's not because they are weak or it's not because they are to be treated lightly. They such people are to be honored. Do you understand? Such people are to be held in high high regard, high esteem. Hallelujah. Amen. So when the Bible speaks about the fear of God like this, we, well, we, as we saw with Noah in Hebrews 11, uh, 11 verse 7, it means that Noah had a relationship with God. You see, let's go, let's go back to Genesis 6. Let's go back there. As we prepare to round up. Next week we'll continue. Have you learned something today? Yes. Praise God. So, verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Praise God. Verse 9. Okay, let's come to verse 11, verse 12. Or verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence. I mean, people were killing each other. Wars, all kinds of stuff. Not Twitter wars, so this is actual wars. The earth was filled with violence. Verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. I say, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Do you see it? All what? All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. It was a nasty sight. The genetic makeup was now distorted. How would the Christ come? Verse 13. It says, And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, we suddenly see God speaking to Noah and saying, the end of all flesh is coming to me. God doesn't just speak up to people like that. If he did not have a relationship with Noah, he would have begun by first of all introducing himself to Noah. How do I know? Exodus chapter 3. To show you that he had a relationship with Noah. Before this. Exodus 3. Are you there? Verse 1. Exodus 3. Are you there? Verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 3. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great side why the bush is not burned. Verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. What did God do here? God introduced himself. Because this was the first time he was going to begin to communicate with Moses. Are you, are you following me? But we didn't see him do that in Genesis chapter 6 to Noah. Which shows us that they already had a relationship. Are you getting this? We are coming to the secret behind unflinching faith. Let's go back to Genesis. Verse 13. 
And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it. And he gave him, you know, different instructions, different guidelines, and so on and so forth. Now come to verse 22. Bible says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. Praise the Lord. Now, chapter 7. Verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And he gave me instructions of what he should do, the animals, so on and so forth. Then come to verse 11. It says, And in the sixth hundred year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Praise God. So, observe two important things. First of all, Noah stayed steadfast for 120 years. He didn't, he didn't flinch in faith. He didn't give up. He didn't throw. He stayed in faith 120 years. And number two, God also was faithful to his word and brought his word to pass. He brought the rains upon the earth. Hallelujah. One of the first things that we observe in this was that the relationship Noah had with God was one of the things that kept him unflinching in faith for the 120 years. I hear what I'm saying. For that period, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a short period. It's a long one. At a point, it's easy to probably think that nothing will really happen. But that relationship that relationship, there was something no one knew about God that made it difficult for him to lose faith. In the Bible, there were people that God spoke to, they began out in faith, but they got to a point, they threw it away. They threw their faith aside. Because it was too, it was too, it was taking too much time. But what is the secret behind unflinching faith? Number one, is this relationship. This relationship. And a knowledge about God. Hallelujah. Praise God. There was something no one knew. Say there was something no one knew. There was something no one knew. There was something no one knew. About God. That could make him stay for 120 years. And if not only 120 years just staying in the faith. Actually acting upon everything God said he's coming to do. So when God speaks to you. And says that I'm going to do this with you. Or I want to do this with you. Or this must happen. This must happen. And it is within a particular time frame. Are you going to be like Noah. To start building the ark. And start building things. And putting them together. In respect of the faith. Or you will sit down idle. And be complaining that nothing is happening in my life. If you do the latter. There is an issue with your relationship with God. And that is why your faith is malfunctioning. When people get to certain places and it's like, my bread, I won't continue. But were they the ones God spoke to? Yes. Are you different than Noah? No. The reason Noah was still able to stay in the word and actually begin, because to even build such an ark will take you a long time. 
you get hurt on the, on the, you know, while building. Your kids, it's, his kids may have been misbehaving, but he stayed on. He knew God. He knew God. He knew God. He knew God. And you are not different from Noah. There are things God has spoken to you about your life. There are things God has said to you about your future. He is expecting you to do two things. One, maintain relationship with him. Two, start doing those things he has said you must do because of what he is about to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your place is not to be complaining and to be questioning. Yours is to get in on the activity. What are we doing now? You are doing it. What is involved in your life at this moment in your work with God? You are on it. Those things are expressions of faith because they are the actions that tally with your belief in the spoken word of God concerning your tomorrow. Hallelujah. I hear what I'm saying. And so if we will see faith in you, we must begin to see faith in your today. Every overnight millionaire, every overnight great man, every overnight great woman, the truth is that they didn't become great overnight. They had been working for several nights. They had been building themselves for several nights through different activities day in and day out. All in alignment with God's word over their lives for their tomorrow. And today I'm, I'm here to tell you that the word of God concerning you is not a fluke. You weren't mistaken when God spoke to you. But if you perch somewhere and you quit and you don't want to do anything, then that word will be in vain. Two things. Maintain your relationship with God. Get to know him more and more by the day. And number two, whatever he tells you, do. Don't fall under the voices of the world. I hear what I'm saying. This is just introduction, just the part one of this message. We will come further and then you will see why your faith can be so solid. I'm telling you. Praise God. You can find more inspiring, uplifting, spirit-filled sermons and teachings at Christ Boy Ministries on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on every other podcast platforms. Help reach the lost by sharing links to the messages with your family, friends, and on your personal social platforms. God bless you.